Well, I'm going to introduce our guest speaker this morning. A lot of you guys know him. Some of you may not. But he is the founder and director of uh, Grand Rapids Dream Center. And Grand Rapids Dream Center is really a missions outreach to the urban um, families and kids in the inner city in the Grand Rapids area. And uh, in Matthew 28:19, it says, go into all the world and make disciples of every nation. And uh, Greg had been involved with the Conqueror Ministry, the guys that bend bars and break bricks for Jesus. And using that as an evangelism tool, he did that for a number of years, traveling overseas and going into schools and things like that. But a lot of times we think of missions as just getting in an airplane and going to another country. But sometimes we fly right over the cities that need the gospel in the inner cities. And uh, that's what Greg and Leah and their team um, do. They're focused on the urban families in the city to bring uh, hope to a hurting world. And so would you please welcome Greg Mulchon as he comes this morning to share God's word with us. Greg, come on up. Well, good morning, everybody. Almost sounds like a little bit of a welcome back, kind of. So uh, always happy to be here. Um, be excited to kind of share a couple various things, too, that are going on with the Dream Center. And by the way, just thanks to there's a lot of guys at different levels that have just had already support into who we are and what we do, even if it's just as a brother and a Lord. Um, thank you so much. It, it means a lot. Um, there's spiritual warfare going on everywhere uh, in our country, but definitely in the inner cities, you know, um, where poverty is and stuff like that uh, or can exist. You know, there's there can be a lot of problems. So thank you for just being behind us. And I feel in a sense kind of like what God was giving me it. God was almost speaking to me a little more and I'm going to try to bring it all together and even play off what you just said, Tom, you know, um, right now, it there is such a shift, right? I mean, we all know it. Uh, a lot of us, I mean, we just can't deny it. A lot of us have been forced into just levels of change, like everywhere, right? Amen? Um, that's some truth. It might not be a good amen <laughs> right now, but it is an opportunity to stop and really think and look at, you know, where are things going and what is God up to? And I believe it can be just an awesome, positive shift. I know that's what God wants, and I know he's ready to use his church. And, you know, we're in a hostile culture right now, um, at least concerning America more than ever, right? Can we call a spade a spade in here? You know, it's it's challenging right now. It's challenging at a public level when you look at that. Nothing against anybody in the public, for sure not. But I think everybody feels it. I think everybody feels the tension. And, um, and so that's just hard, not to mention, you know, um, just restrictions and things that we're used to doing what we want, when we want, and we can't quite do that. Um, we, we feel that, and I, I definitely feel and sense the church has felt it a lot, um, right? The impact of the church and just meeting, it's, it's different. And, and culture has been not 
as friendly, I would say, with, with the church. It's been a lot of a cancel culture, right? Probably at an all-time high. Um, again, I'm not trying to you know, beat anybody up who's been in any circles, but again, we'll call a spade a spade. It is what it is. And so that affects who the church is and, and how we do things, you know. And my curiosity is, and I, I really just throw this out there in a humble way, um, I, I'm going to relate it as we go along, but, you know, is the church, at least in our culture here in the West, in America, are we ready if a shift does take place? Are we ready if the church starts to shift more underground? You know, and I, I say that with just fear and trembling before the Lord. I'm not saying that's all the way where it's going, but if it did, are we ready? You know, are we ready to do things differently and to challenge ourselves? Um, I know uh, never more than a time than ever right now, I'm in a desperate place of prayer. And um, I would urge us as men, if you're not, would you consider being in, in that place? Because things have been changing. And you know what? The result of all this, though, it's a lost and hurting world that doesn't have love. And if the culture's rejecting one way of how things have been done that's supposed to have love, um, that does have love, are we ready to embrace another way? Again, I don't know what that completely is. I just know that's what I want. I want those who are hurting and broken, I want them to feel God's love. I want them to know the truth. I don't want people to be mixed up on who God is, and then just keep rejecting them, keep rejecting them, and then more sin, more destruction, more public ramifications because of it. And I know that we all have that same desire in here. I can sense it, right? And so, uh, yeah, the question would be, are we, are we ready to embrace that, you know? And I feel like, you know, for me in, in, in my journey, um, 41 years old, um, Loving it, you know, the, the new age for young keeps getting redefined as I go. I'm like, oh, yeah, I'm still young. <laughs> um, feel good. <laughs> man, oh, man, I, I was doing some side work last week, and my body was telling me I was 40. <laughs> it was like my neck was all stiff. I'm like, wait a minute. <laughs> you know, but when you age a little bit, and I'm sure I'm going to have way more stories to tell as I get into my 50s, and I'm looking forward to that, to my 50-year-old crew in here, and then 60s, and wherever you're at. But, you know, you start to see, you start to go, huh, you look back a little bit, and you go, I think I'm seeing some trends. Some things are already playing out, repeating over, and I think, yeah, yeah, you know, I, I know where that's going, you know. And uh, I think even in the church world and in ministry, uh, you see it. And I, uh, I definitely feel so, come on, facial ID. Come on, these devices, I tell you. Um, you start to see certain trends or you recognize, oh, this is what's going on. Or maybe this was what God was doing in this spot. And then, then um, oh, my goodness, I think I perceive a shift kind of thing, you know. And, uh, you know, with that, with, with men, you know, I've seen different kinds of trends with men, and I think maybe some of the stuff I'll talk about you'll identify with. Um, and I, I just want to talk about it, too, with, with my own story. But um, 
I wanted to relate it also, though, to levels of masculinity and manhood. You know, it's really simple today, and, and my intention is not to stay here long, but, you know, the most basic level of manhood um, is just what? Being a male, right? And uh, I don't know, uh, for those of you who remembers, you know, our good brother, Ed Cole, yeah, he, he lit it up with men, right? He always said, uh, being a male is a matter of birth. You guys have heard this? But being a man is a matter of, of choice. Let's say that one more time just for fun. Being a male is a matter of birth. Being a man is a matter of choice. And we know this, true, this is true, right? Um, entry, entry level male, it's being a boy, right? Uh, Paul said in 1 Corinthians 13, you know, when I was a child, I walked and talked as a child. But when I became a man, I put childish things away, right? You know, there's, there should be that crossing over. Um, and we know the, the cultural picture uh, that praises the proverbial boy almost today, right? It's almost becomes the iconic image. You know, I'll just throw out a few things here. Um, it might not overtly say this, but irresponsible, <laughs> not allowed to express your feelings. You can't fail. You always got to perform and achieve. Um, but yet this guy seems to be absent from his family. He might have multiple baby moms, um, uh, been through different relationships, and no condemnation if we've been through this road and we're, we're walking and working our way through it, okay? So no condemnation, guys. Um, and then it says, uh, you know, yet if you're the life of the party, big, strong, you know, don't mess with this guy because he'll bring the pain, right? Um, you know, uh, he might sleep with a lot of women. You know, that's kind of like, okay, all those things, then you're the cultural man, right? But really, it's the proverbial boy. I think performance and religion um, have echoed some of the messages in there, such as, um, you know, uh, don't fail and perform and be that perfect Christian. Um, it can even happen inside a ministry and leadership. You can, you can feel that. You can get into cultures that reinforce that message uh, where the relationship with God just becomes really burdensome. Um, and it might echo this message too, don't have feelings and don't be transparent. So then, you know, you've got all these men, um, you know, God's given us strength to be independent, but then our weakness is to be Rambo all the time, and then it can happen in the church too. We just go it alone, we're stuck, we're bound up inside, and um, it's not getting better. And then, you know, unfortunately too, it can manifest in big leadership, right? You have big fallout with public leaders. I think we've even seen some of that lately. You know, is that God's intention? Absolutely not, right? He doesn't want us to have fallout, whether we're called to carry a big public platform or we're leading in another hemisphere. He's called us to be the true man and, and what that means. You know, and I heard a great saying from um, Pastor Michael Todd. He's a really powerful online pastor. He says this, what's not transformed is transferred. So at some point, you know, within these, these levels of manhood or false manhood, if we don't get to this place of addressing it, what's going to happen? It's going to transfer to our spheres of influence and or our kids, right? But again, God doesn't want that to happen. You know, um, you know sin and iniquity passes to the third and fourth generation, 
But then it says that um, with God's blessing, he can bless a thousand generations, right, when, when we're redeemed. And so that's God's heart. And, you know, uh, and of course, with God's plan, he said, let us make man in our own image, Genesis 1.26, according to our likeness. So he wants us to be the, his image bearer, right? And, and, and what is that? We talked what the culture is devoid of. It's L-O-V-E, right? It's love. And so one of the trends that I've seen, um, I actually feel like it was a bit of a revival, and I still see it happening, is I feel like actually with the performance piece and the religion and maybe what has happened um, in cultures of church, and by the way, I don't believe any, most church cultures have never intended for men to feel isolated and alone and void from Jesus and, and full of performance anxiety and not able to express themselves. I don't believe that's ever been the heart of the church, but I believe what the revival has been, has been um, there's been movements that have popped up, I believe have been redeeming manhood. And uh, such vehicles like Quest or The Road or Camp Freedom, I think I said that right. Um, have any of you guys heard of some of these movements? And what has happened through some of them it's created this encounter with Father God, right? It's restored intimacy with Father God to really give us that image and that picture of God affirmed right by him. You know, it, it starts to break down the walls of religion and, you know, and where there's, you know, freedom in Christ Jesus, we're released to be who God called us to be. Amen. And, then, and I really feel like we've seen like almost like this kind of revival. And, you know, Jesus said in, in John 10, 29, you know, because um, Jesus is the image, the express image of the Father. My Father who's given them to me is greater than all, and no one is able to snatch them out of my Father's hand. Amen. And because of Christ Jesus, not only did we see it, not only do we follow him and become his disciple, but then we become that express image. And we can go into these areas that are broken, lost, and hurting, and we can, we can bring forth that love. That's God's intention, right? And so um, that level is it's being restored into the, the picture of being a true man. And that's what, that's what God wants. Some of the attributes, you know, he's Abba, right? He's Daddy. Uh, he's a father who's connected and he cares. Maybe where a culture reinforced, they don't care, they're not connected, you can't be yourself. Well, that's not the father. He sees you. He soothes you when you hurt. He's your safety and security when everything's falling apart, right? He has a plan for you. You're absolutely important to him. You know, what happens if we can really live out of that, guys? And I believe we've seen this revival of that and you know, religion being broken, and um, I believe God's got another intention. He's got another level. I think it, some of what we've been experiencing, I'm excited to share about it, could relate to what we talk about, to that, that idea of, are we ready if a shift's coming? But, but that next level is, okay, we become a man, we're getting united with the Father through Jesus Christ, but now he wants us to become a father. And now, I think it could be already, obviously, we want to know how to be an earthly father, especially if we have kids, right? But it's bigger than that. It's bigger than that. It relates to the Great Commission. Go out into all the world. Tom said it earlier. And do what? 
Say it, say it with some power, guys. Make, make, disciples. make disciples, right? And so God's intention with that scripture, though, he, he's talking to us. Um, I relate it to men, but, but the body of Christ, so that's ladies too, is to, it's, an in, it, it's spoken to us as individuals, right? There's the corporate church and the entity, and that has its function to equip, but it doesn't work if it's not embraced by the individual believer. And so for us as men, becoming the express image, learning to become a father, that, that's God's heart. It's so godly. I mean, look around, guys. We're in a culture devoid of healthy fathers with, with the image of God. But the question is, is, you know, we can hear these good messages, but then we can, you know, we could be in comfortable cultures where we, we, we kind of go, that's so big and ambiguous, how does it really happen? Or maybe, maybe what we're doing is we got a great church with great equipping, but we're relying on that, but we're not doing our part. You know, and, and all of us go through seasons. Maybe sometimes we're in a season where we're kind of tapping into that. We're laying hold of it. Or maybe we influenced some guys or we were discipling guys. And then maybe, maybe we slid out and, and we've gotten comfortable. And God's saying, hey, I'm not done. Like, you got way more influence. I, I, I got more for you, you know. And so reproducing the image of the, uh, of the Father you know, and, and if we're not careful, you know, if, if we go back to that other level of manhood, you know, where God is reviving who we are, bringing that brokenness out of us, we, it's kind of like we have this need as men, and the need is to get into the hospital, to get that performance and religion broken off. So we get into the hospital, and we get in there, and what happens? We start to heal, right? We're getting medicine and treatment, and then we go, oh, I like that. I think I'll hang out here, you know, and, and, and we can recognize the need for, for other believers to get into the hospital and go, yeah, let's get in here. Um, but God doesn't want us to hang out and, and just be in the hospital and be comfortable, if that makes sense. I'm not trying to make it all confusing, fellas. You guys with me? And so, you know, yes, there's some guys that are in triage and they, you know, they need to get in there and they need to get healing. I went through that. You know, I've always been so passionate and driven, but I went through that in my own journey. And I'll never forget when I got united with the Father, I was 29 years old, and I felt like I was striving to be an overachieving Christian ministry leader, you know, around a lot of great men of God, women of God. And I was so broken and alone and so close to, you know, going all the way back in sin. And I'll never forget when I, had, when I started experiencing the Father and Him restoring me and bringing confidence to me and then and reviving gifts in my life, dreams, you know. He wants to do that, right? And if you're in that process right now, amen, embrace it, but get ready too because there's more. And, um, you know, for me, I got to this place where that revival was happening, these gifts were being realized and and and. I was celebrating it and got some attention of people. They're like, wow, man, that's great. That's a new Greg. Um, but then I got to a place, too, where it was like, okay, you know, that's awesome. You needed that. I was there for you. That, that, was, that was God's message to me. But God was like, now I need you to take that and reproduce it. And that's kind of like the heartbeat of, of what I'm trying to say and where I'm trying to go today, guys. Um, 
you know, again, the Bible says in Ephesians 4, 11 and 12, and he himself gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors, some teachers for the equipping of the saints for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. Again, the corp- he's speaking to the corporate church and corporate leaders to empower the individuals, guys. And so... Um, already mentioned, you know, Matthew 28, 19, go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Um, this is the other thing we got to realize with this, guys. So, so I say those things, and what that means is we're qualified, right? We can't, you know, sometimes some of us, and I've been in this mind too, we look to the super pastor. And it's like, again, we rely on the corporate machine And yes, they're doing their part, maybe doing an awesome job, but it's not their job to do your job. And so you're qualified. And, and, you know, there's something that comes alive in us when we start getting activated, you know, in reproducing God's image. You know, if if, if you've been experiencing a dull, mundane life, or maybe you've been revived to the Father's heart, but now you're feeling stagnant, it's because this is what God wants to do. God wants to send you. He wants to help you start a picture in your mind of what it looks like. And hopefully a little more of what I got to say will help you see a little bit what that looks like. You know, and, and I'm going to say this. It's a process and a journey, guys. Um, there's only so much we're going to be able to do and see this morning. Um, and so with that heart, there's so much need around us, like Tom said. It's easy for us to put our mind into the missionary mindset and go, oh, well, if I envision a missionary going to Africa, okay, well, what would that be like if, if, if he or she is going to make disciples? Well, we go, well, hey, if, if they go, well, they're not going to bring a bunch of people from Africa just ba- all the way back to America and put them in a church service and go, now they're going to get saved, and now they're good. Would we envision that with a missionary? No. Well, why? Well, because Africa's got a whole different culture. There's a whole different set of needs. Why would we pull just a select group out of culture and bring them to another culture of how we've experienced church and the Father? We would go into that culture, and what would we do? We would try and learn the culture, right? We would try to be smart and wise and influential to gain friends and go, oh, this is how this group of people or these people work. This is how they tick, you know, by the, and, and by the, the wisdom of the Holy Spirit, and then go, how do I gain influence into some to reach many? And it's one of the things that we've learned here, it's no different here in our own backyard. Maybe sometimes we think because we're just here local, like right in our own West Michigan, well, we think, hey, I'll just go next door to this community or over to Grand Rapids or Wyoming or Kentwood or wherever, and I'm just going to bring a bunch of people to my church. But you guys got to understand the lost, the church culture, that's weird. It's weird, and most people are scared to death of it and very intimidated. I mean, man, even for me 20 years ago, I mean, I I was probably more church, so maybe it wasn't as shocking, but man, you know, people raising their hands in worship and praying in tongues and like, oh, dang, I got to get out of here, you know, and so, and offerings, you know, like, I mean, gosh, for me, that was early 90s. Uh, How many of you guys remember Fletch Lives? Um, It probably isn't a great secular movie. Anybody remember Fletch from the late 80s, early 90s? 
Well, they were kind of like throwing Jim Baker under the bus, like with offerings and whispering in his ears with hidden like earpieces. And that was my mentality with church. And when I saw the offering bucket, I was like, oh, this is shady. Now, imagine what the world thinks when they come into a culture that they don't know in here. And who knows with public social media what they think. It's going to be really, really, really hard. But you know what? If we can shift our mindset and go, hey, I'm called. Maybe I'm not the missionary in Africa, but I'm called to areas here in our city, and I'm going to take the mindset that we are all missionaries. If you're a member of a church, you're a missionary. It's not, it's not these distant super commandos. It's you. And if we could take that mindset and go, whether whatever the culture is that we're, God's got us in, you know, sometimes we go, gosh, I'm not called here, but God's got you there, you're called. <laughs> and so, you know, a couple things, you know, with that mindset, as God wants to shift us into becoming fathers and disciples, um, obviously, you know, ground level, God revive us as just fathers in our own homes, amen? Um, God wants to speak to us, and, and sometimes, you know, maybe we've got to take that approach, you know, maybe we didn't know, and we've got to be a missionary in our own family. I know it sounds weird, but, like, if we're talking about getting influence, we can't be entitled to, like, my kid, you got to listen to me about Jesus. How well does that work? <laughs> and so, obviously, it starts, but here's, here's some of the mindset for me that I hope to leave you guys with as we get ready to close here in a few minutes is um, would you take this challenge of committing to God, who are you calling me to? And, 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 and let me frame it like this. Sometimes that's indicative to passion groups in your mind. And what does that mean? A passion group is there's groups of people maybe you're drawn to or they have certain problems, but you're always thinking about it. Or you're always drawn. Maybe you haven't done nothing about it yet, but that may, might be the passion group God's calling you to go into to, to bring the love of God, to bring the image of the Father, and to change and impact that passion group. Does that make sense, guys? And so, and maybe God's reviving it. Maybe you've already experienced this, and I'm just communicating it in a different way, but, but God wants to revive it in you, whether it's a passion group you're in right now or he's going to multiply you or grow your influence, teach you how to do that. And so, obviously, again, it starts with our wife and our kids. Um, and even, again, if, if we haven't done the best job, just hopefully posturing ourselves in a way where we can start doing our very best there. Um, other ways to think about passion groups, it could be represented in your job. You know, for three years before I was called in full-time ministry, I worked at micromanufacturing. Um, some of you guys might know uh, who those guys are or, or uh, Don. And, man, there was so much need there, guys. Oh, my, every single day. And, uh, you know, we always joke about new Christians being on fire, trying to get everybody saved. I think it's awesome. But why is it, you know, we get past that and we lose that. But, but that was me. I was just saved. And every day I was just on mission. And uh, I did some stupid things there, guys. <laughs> Made some stupid old mistakes. But the one thing that God was teaching me during that season was, thankfully, he was teaching me some humility. You know, you're a young gun, hothead, right? But when I would mess up, I knew better to be like, yeah, I did that. That was dumb. 
And uh, I, I think that was actually my biggest Christian witness. They're always like, they called me Bones. <laughs> I was funny. I weighed 250. Why'd they call me Bones? Hey, Bones! I mean, what are you doing, man? You're stupid! And, uh, man, Juan, I'm sorry, bro. Um, and I'll never forget when I left, you know, uh, one of those guys, and uh, that was my friend Juan, by the way. He said, hey, Mitch, man, you know, you're always talking about Jesus and writing stuff on our marker board, you know. But you know what, man? You start a church, I'm going to your church, man. Just being humble and loving him and loving him for who he was. You know what? I, I really celebrated that guy. He had a really cool personality. Rough around the edges? Absolutely. It might be your job. I, well, you know what? If you're there, it's already part of your job, guys. It, it's, it's within your job framework. Um, a passion group outside your work or home. You know, you might be drawn to, again, other people groups. That could be a youth. It could be children. It could be specifically boys. It could be girls. It could be young men. It could be older men. It could be the homeless. It could be athletes. It could be your community, another community. It could be youth in another community. Um, and don't ever let anybody put a limit on what that is. If God's called you and it doesn't make sense, hey, listen, this guy here, um, initially going into inner city Grand Rapids because we hadn't lived there for 15 years, it didn't make sense. And I caught some flack from some people initially for it. But guess what? I was called and God's blessed it. And we were very persistent. Would you commit to revisiting the passion group God's called you to and get in the mindset, even if it's just one? You know, for me, um, looks like I'm rocking on less than one minute here, guys. For me, with us, the biggest thing that we've had to learn to do in our city, Grand Rapids, with the Dream Center, and I'll relate it to our men, we started to go so big. And yeah, we had some talent and some, you know, corporate or executive associate leadership that would get big events, big results, but we were seeing low impact. And what God's had to do is he's had to help decompress us and get us into the mindset of really laying a foundation right with one. Real quick, I'll relate it to our World Changers men's ministry. You guys, some of you have heard me talk about it. I mean, in the beginning, we had this offshoot. We would have 16 guys off the streets helping us deliver beds, which was remarkable. But a lot of those original guys really didn't transform. Do they love us and recognize the love of God in us? They do. But we recognized steps that we needed to take. And we actually, what we started to do was we actually got smaller and started focusing on one to two, putting influence one to two right. And um, this was a couple years ago. And now I'm looking at what's happening is like now our men's ministry actually we're uh, up to 21 guys. We're influencing 16. We've got six guys discipling. And it's very practical. It's, it works in a guy's nine-to-five day. And we're doing things that any guy can do. Um, we've got questions on a sheet that facilitate discussion about Scripture. So you don't have to be a seminary-licensed pastor. Um, but yet, guys are, are taking men through these discussions and discipleships happening. We're leading guys to you know, simple things we take for granted, getting licenses, um, learning how to get the first jobs, stuff like that. Hey, any of us can do that, right, guys? And so I just, as I close, this is achievable. But again, with everything going on, guys, are we ready to embra embrace a different mindset? Are we ready to embrace something new? And lastly, passion groups and, and moving into a higher level of call, it starts with extraordinary prayer. 
So I don't have time to break all that down. i got to pray right now, guys. But washing what God wants to do in extraordinary prayer. But as you hear from God, you need to be ready to move and commit to what he's doing. Let's pray, guys. So, Father God, in Jesus' name, we just thank you, God. A lot was said, Lord God. Um, really got to trust you, Holy Spirit, for guys to walk away with the one and maybe most important things they need to know and hear today, God, and how you want them to respond. So, God, I pray, Lord God, just for a call to obedience to you, Holy Spirit, and speak to the men. And, God, of keep continue to affirm the Father's heart, God. If somebody's in here and they're getting religion broken off and you still got them in ICU, we rejoice over that. We thank you for healing and revival of who those men are. For those who've come out, and they know they're being called, they're, they're, they're being dispatched, God, speak, God. Speak, speak, speak. God, even if it's a, an, a little bit of an elongated process to start with, God, where guys identify with the next step of where you're calling them, God, speak. And I thank you for men that are obedient and courageous, and even if it feels scary and they say, I don't know how, I thank you, God, you continue to empower us through faith. So, God, we bless the men in this room. We thank you for that. May your love go out in a more powerful way. In Jesus' name, amen.